Nanto County's Renai Township was hit hard by Typhoon Kanun, which brought torrential rains and caused extensive damage. In Jingying Village, a farmer surnamed Lin got caught up in the storm on Friday while checking on his crops. Lin's scooter was found abandoned by his field, but he was nowhere to be found. A rescue team searched for Lin Sunday morning and recovered his body 200 meters from his field, where he had been crushed to death by a landslide. Elsewhere in the township, a gas station in Nanfeng village was completely inundated with mud and rocks during a landslide. Renai Township as a whole was hit hard by Typhoon Kanun, with many of its main roads obstructed by debris. While the township waits for roads to be cleared, Nanto County announced that schools and businesses in Renai Township would remain closed on Monday. Ingda Reservoir in Miaoli County reached 99% capacity after Typhoon Kanun brought heavy rainfall throughout Taiwan. It got so full that authorities opened its gates and discharged water over the weekend. Meanwhile, Taiwan's largest reservoir, Zengwen Reservoir in Tainan, reached nearly half capacity after being dangerously low only a week ago. With the high likelihood of more storms in the current typhoon season, authorities say the outlook is good for the country's water supply. Water rushes through the dam at Mingdo Reservoir after two spillway gates were opened to discharge water. Typhoon Kanun brought heavy rainfall, which filled Miali's Mingdo Reservoir to 99% capacity. Concerned that another sudden rainstorm would flood the reservoir, authorities discharged water from it on Saturday afternoon. The water was released at a rate of 5 cubic meters per second, or 18,000 tons of water per hour. We will still prioritize the irrigation needs of farmers and will keep an eye on the water resources situation. If it looks like it's going to rain, then we will lower the water level to 95% capacity. By 10 p.m. on Sunday, the reservoir is expected to be at 97.82%. The irrigation agency is also urging residents living downstream from the reservoir to remain alert to prevent accidents caused by the water discharge. Meanwhile, a catchment area upstream from Tainan's Zhangwen Reservoir has also risen due to continuous rainfall over the mountains of Jiayi, bringing plenty of water into the reservoir in the brevity of just two days. As of 9 o'clock this morning, Zhengwen Reservoir was at 46.7% capacity. That's about 236 million tons of water. These past few days of continuous rain has brought around 330 millimeters of rain. The water that was added to the reservoir raised the level from just over 10% capacity to nearly 50% at present. It's been raining continuously around the Cashman area. This amount of rainfall is very good for the situation at the reservoir. While Zhengwen Reservoir is now near half capacity, nearby Nanhua Reservoir is already full following heavy rainfall brought by Typhoon Doksuri last week. With typhoon season still in full swing, authorities say the outlook for water resources is good. The government debt has been a hot topic in the run-up to the January presidential election. Opposition parties have been accusing the Thai administration of reckless spending in its forward-looking infrastructure development program. 
Over the weekend, President Tsai fought back, emphasizing that she is not leaving debt behind for future generations and that the real culprit is former President Ma Ying-jeou, who, according to Tsai, raised the government debt by 1.7 trillion NT while he was in office. The Ma Ying-jeou Foundation wasted no time making a retort, saying the Tsai administration has been raising the government debt under the guise of its special budget. Responding to the KMT and TPP's accusations of allowing this special budget for the forward-looking infrastructure development program to balloon, President Tsai cited the actual figures in her retort. My predecessor, former President Ma, and his predecessor together increased our debt by somewhere between 1.4 and 1.7 trillion NT in their eight years in office. I have only increased it by just over 400 billion NT since I've been president. The Ma Yingjiao Foundation wasted no time to fight back. Its director, Xiao Xuchen, issued a news release soon after Tsai's remarks. It says that Tsai, having avoided appearing before the media for so long, has come out with nothing but lies. It highlights her special budget, which reached 1.28 trillion NT in six years' time, surpassing the budget of 790.9 billion NT during the Ma administration. It says the Tsai administration has normalized the special budget and has put the burden of debt on future generations, reaching the threshold of a fiscal red alert. Since she took office, President Tsai has compiled 13 items in the special budget, totaling more than 2.49 trillion NT. So no matter who the next president is, she has already helped him plan and spend. So the next government will carry more than 400 billion NT of debt from the special budget. The debt from the special budget, like the debt from the general budget, is required to be included in the debt limit control, as the Public Debt Act stipulates. The accusation from Ma Ying-jeou's office is totally illogical and lacks legal literacy. Ma Ying-jeou has come out to be validated, which is either ignorant or just bad on his part. According to figures supplied by the presidential office, the government's long-term debt has been raised by 1.49 trillion NT during the Chen Shui-bian administration, 1.73 trillion NT during the Ma Ying-jeou administration, and just 435 billion NT during the Tsai Ing-wen administration so far. If you look at the information supplied by President Tsai Ing-wen's office, you get the sense that it is just technical verbiage that highlights certain facts but obfuscate other parts. Since President Tsai Ing-wen came into office, not only has the government's debt been reduced, but social welfare programs have been added, including long-term care 2.0, child care allowances, and housing subsidies. Income tax deductions have also been increased to help lower people's taxes. If the financial situation during the Ma administration was as good as the Ma Ying-jeou Foundation boasts, why didn't the Ma government do anything to raise social welfare and cut taxes? No wonder The Economist called him a bumbler. The DPP is clearly turning from defense to offense, endeavoring to clarify issues raised by the opposition parties and preventing its opponents from citing inaccurate information to spread rumors and smear it. 
TSMC founder Morris Chang was featured in a New York Times article that came out over the weekend. When asked about the Sino-U.S. competition for semiconductor supremacy, the chip titan said China doesn't have much of a chance to gain the upper hand. As for the U.S.'s recent policies to prevent China from obtaining cutting-edge semiconductor technology, Chang noted that American companies would lose business as a result and that China would find ways to fight back. Seeing that TSMC is facing geopolitical challenges, the 92-year-old Chang said he has some regrets that he was no longer in the driver's seat. But he is also confident that TSMC has achieved a leading position in technology and will not lose this advantage. Taiwan is famous for its food, scenery and hospitality, but it's also a living hell for pedestrians. That's according to a CNN report last year. Experts say that most of Taiwan's road designs and policies are meant to get traffic moving as fast as possible, often at the cost of safety. But in recent years, the concept of people-oriented transport has gotten traction and activists are pushing for the rights of pedestrians. What are the changes they say will improve road safety? We find out in our Sunday special report. Cars not yielding to pedestrians is a daily sight in Taiwan. Some accidents cause only minor scrapes, while others sadly cost lives. Transport Ministry statistics show more than 400 deaths annually from traffic accidents. Everyone must adopt the concept of yielding to pedestrians because pedestrians are the more vulnerable group of people using the road. If everyone yields, we may see a reduction in deaths at intersections. Taiwanese drivers tend to be in a hurry, and this makes intersections a death trap. Pedestrians are urged to look both ways before crossing the road, but some argue the onus should be put on drivers. It is the result of how we teach people that intersections have become death traps. We teach them to yield, fear, and cower from cars. Drivers don't need to cower away from pedestrians. People are told to wear bright or reflective clothing outdoors at night. However, some say this suggestion also makes pedestrians responsible for safety rather than drivers. You have to understand that telling people to wear reflective things is a driver-oriented mindset. People aren't going to do that, so they must rely on public lighting fixtures to illuminate them. Stepping out from Tai Ma Park in Taoyuan, traffic safety advocate Lin Zhixue spots a car parked illegally on the sidewalk. The lack of pedestrian-focused traffic design in Taiwan is frustrating, he says. Despite the introduction of pedestrian lanes painted in green on roads, the lanes are often missing or abruptly end. Turns that our intersections are designed based on the boundary between public and private land. They don't take into account the path traversed by vehicles. So naturally, it is difficult to account for the path of pedestrians. Looking at the traffic design for Taiwan cities makes it clear there is no space allotted for pedestrians at corners. If a driver parks illegally at a corner, pedestrians are forced out into the street, putting them at risk of getting hit. 
如果我们把这个弯角这样子设计完之后，车辆就不容易违停在弯角。If we design the corners properly, it wouldn't be possible for drivers to park illegally, and traversing corners would be made easier. The biggest impact would be felt by drivers of large commercial trucks. When those trucks make turns, if someone is parked illegally on the corner, it puts the truck driver in a real bind. Designing sidewalks to follow the proper turning radius around corners would force drivers to make proper turns. It would also help prevent illegal parking at corners and would make intersections safer for pedestrians. Sidewalks in Taiwan are often obstructed by power transformers, trees, and illegally parked scooters. The issue is caused by poor lateral communication, with contractors simply following plans and not communicating problems to designers. The issue results in unusable sidewalks. In 10 meters, there's a power transformer. How will you get around it? Zhongyuan Christian University School of Design Dean Zhao Jialing draws a diagram of a typical intersection in Taiwan. He explains that when lights turn green, both vehicles and pedestrians proceed through their intersection. In many cases, pedestrians are in the driver's blind spot behind their A pillar. By moving sidewalks further outward, cars will be straightened out before they reach the intersection, and they will be able to see pedestrians clearly. Taiwan's driver-oriented traffic model is undoubtedly the reason Taiwan is called a hell for pedestrians. In fact, the design concept early on, including for intersections, was to prevent traffic jams. We aimed to get traffic moving along as fast as possible. The idea was to improve efficiency. What I worry about in regard to society is the way we chase efficiency. Likely, there are lots of places now where we pursue efficiency at the expense of safety. Taiwan's driver-oriented traffic can be traced back to 1978 and was based on the design in the U.S. However, differences in population and geographical factors between the countries mean the U.S. model is not fully suitable for Taiwan. The U.S. is a driver-oriented society. Cars are cheap in the U.S. and there's plenty of land there. In many parts of the U.S., if you don't have a vehicle, you can't get around. European countries adopt people-oriented transportation models. In some European countries, pedestrians have exclusive use of an area covering roughly 45% of the road. Although this reduces road width and causes traffic jams, it also changes the way locals think about transportation. It's common for people in Europe to ride a bicycle 10 to 15 kilometers one way for their daily commute. Therefore, they have comprehensive networks of bike lanes there. Their cities are already developed in that respect. If people there choose to drive, they choose to be stuck in traffic. Here at the intersection of Xianming Boulevard and Xinjian Road in New Taipei's Banqiao District, the MRT and Taiwan Railway Administration rail networks converge. The intersection is often crowded, and the traffic is heavy and fast-moving. For the safety of pedestrians, the intersection uses a diagonal crossing and pedestrian signal lights. At certain times, only pedestrians can traverse the intersection. This can reduce the number of scenarios where cars are weaving through pedestrians, which significantly improves safety for people crossing the road. 
The intersection's crosswalks were also widened from 4 to 6 meters, and directional areas were added to both ends of the crosswalks. Additionally, pedestrian signals were enlarged to make them more visible to older adults. This is Deshang Road in Kaohsiung's Nanzi district. Pedestrian lanes were painted along the roadside, and scooters now park outside the lanes. In the past, scooters would park illegally along both sides of the road, reducing the four-lane road to two lanes. Pedestrians were also forced out into the street, putting them at risk. Now, pedestrians walk close to the storefronts on a roughly two-meter-wide lane, with scooters off to the side. Actually, it hasn't made a big impact on business. However, when I'm walking along the road, I personally feel a bit safer. Traffic jams are a problem that cities face worldwide. However, people typically won't use this as a reason to widen roads. Instead, people will simply avoid driving in the city. Liu Guanjie previously studied in Europe as an exchange student. When he returned home, he realized that Taiwan's roads are not pedestrian-friendly. He set out to improve the situation through new road design plans. I just hope that the area around my home can be safe. I drew some rough drafts, which I may give to a city councillor or to a transportation official. After they adopt the ideas, maybe they can slowly be implemented on the roads. City traffic engineer Zhuang Zewei also has some new ideas about road design. He and road safety advocate Liu Guanjie often meet to discuss road design together. They collect road design templates, which they pass on to officials to consider. To make these changes, we can use a PPP, or public-private partnership model. Public and private parties can cooperate to take our ideas for road markings and road design and continuously make improvements. With much of the world adopting a people-oriented traffic model, Taiwan must implement changes to keep pace. Safe roads and intersections are in everyone's interest. If Taiwan resolves to improve traffic safety, it will shed its image as a pedestrian hell, and the country will be a better place for generations to come. Good report. Let's hope things improve. Well, the first AI speech-to-text tool just for Taiwan has been launched. Yating is an AI app that creates instant transcripts of audio. It can turn a meeting or class into notes or subtitle a video. And it's fully optimized for people living in Taiwan, fluent in the languages most commonly used here. We spoke to members of the development team to hear about how speech-to-text tools are growing. A dance teacher moves to the beat. Students are watching the live class remotely. If they're struggling to hear her instructions, they simply turn on the automatic subtitles. The speech-to-text tool is the invention of this team. Yating 
It turns audio to text instantly, no matter if you talk in Mandarin, Taiwanese, English, Japanese, or Cantonese. There is virtually no lag. It can even handle a sentence that slips between Chinese and English. Taiwan AI Labs have launched Taiwan's first AI speech recognition app, specially designed for Taiwanese accents. It can be used to instantly transcribe classes and meetings. We named it Yating because there is an amazing professional shorthand typist called Yating. She's Audrey Tang's shorthand typist. We wanted our Yating speech-to-text tool to be as awesome as her. You just have to open it in a meeting or any other setting, and it will sit there and record everything said. There's been a huge technical breakthrough recently. We collected many combinations of all kinds of different voices from all over the world. That allowed us to make our AI model listen to what all these voices from all around the world sound like, and then to teach it to recognize them. The program is continuously improving to upgrade precision. Many people attended classes remotely or worked online during the pandemic, and demand for automatic transcription and subtitles of meetings and lectures has exploded. In today's speech recognition and comprehension tools, as well as textual comprehension tools, we can manage natural language. During a conversation, we can actually use relevant data in the moment to supplement our meetings. The developers of Yating saw a niche and filled it. Now they're working to add more functions and improve the app's efficiency for work, saving users time and effort.